antelope knocks you off your bike. But then again, this is South Africa, and the race is going through a nature park, Albert Falls Dam. Evan van der Spoy apparently brought down by a red hearty beast. Unfortunately for him, one of the larger antelopes. Heavier too. Adult males weighing in at around okay, so this old guy was kilos, uh, in a bike race in South Evan Africa. We're going to show you the slow mo of his head again. Just watch it. This, uh, well, as soon as he can get himself up, we're going to show you again. So just watch this. It's pretty cool. Boom! All you bikers out there, we're going to show you one, one more time. Super, super, super slow mo. Just in case you catch the first, watch. Gingerly picking himself up and Boom! Yes. Yeah. So, all you guys that love bikers out there, you should be happy about that one. Um, anyway, we're going to see if we can't make sense of that in a minute in the middle of the message. But uh, let me say this. Welcome. We're so glad that you're here. This is the grand finale of the most famous sermon ever preached, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And we've called it The Good Life uh, here today. So, these are some of the most famous verses ever talked about when it comes to prayer. So we're in the most famous sermon, and now we're talking about some of the most famous verses about prayer. And so you picked a really good day because Jesus here, it seems pretty clear, is guaranteeing results on prayer. He's, so this is a great day to be here because he's making this guarantee. If you ask, if you seek, if you knock, God is going to open the door. That's pretty incredible. And here's the thing I want you to think about. What if the good life, what if the good life was actually so close to you, you could almost touch it? What if it was like right there and you just didn't realize it? True story is a person went to the shopping mall and they parked their car in the parking garage, did some shopping, came back out. Car was gone. Car was stolen. Reported to security. Security couldn't find it. Reported to the police. The police did a huge search. Went on for months and months. And finally, the insurance company said, we're going to get you a new car. So they got a new car. And about a year later, they're driving in their brand new car. And they go back to the, go back to the shopping mall. And they're pulling in the parking garage. And lo and behold, there's their car. Their car that had been stolen, it's covered by dust. And you know what the problem was? It was never stolen. It was there the whole time. They were on four and they went to three and they forgot. All they had to do was walk one flight of steps and there it was. What if the good life is just a flight of steps away from you? What, what, what if it's just like right there? Right there so close to you. So this is what, this is what we're going to talk about this morning. The good life. All right. Um, hey, can we read verses 7 and 8 together? They're on the back of your uh, bulletin, or they're right up here on the screen. Can we read these just together? Then I'll finish it out, but ready? Here we go. One, two, three. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Wow. Those are great verses. Does that make you excited or what? Let me finish it out. Verse 9. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others. Think about this verse, everybody. Twelve. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. That's called the golden rule. I'm not going to focus on the golden rule today. I just want to say that nobody actually does the golden rule. It's a wonderful thing to have. But if you really think about it deeply, intellectually, you'll find that it 
We don't, we don't do that. And so there again, the Sermon on the Mount presents us an impossibility, like chapter 5, verse 48, be perfect. Well, who is perfect? Who does that? So this is awesome. And that sums up the whole law and the prophets. But wow, we want to focus on these famous verses about prayer because it sets up the entire end of the Sermon on the Mount in chapter 7. You can ask, well, what do you want today? You want a house? You want a spouse? You want a... Another spouse, different spouse than what you have. Do you, you want health? you want wealth? What is it? He says, ask and you will what? Will receive. Doesn't say maybe receive. Maybe you're going to receive. You might receive. I think about maybe you receiving. No, he says, you will receive. And so we need to stop and we need to have a prayer and ask God to help us understand these verses right here. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, we just thank you so much for your word. Uh, Jesus incredible, exciting verses of Scripture here. Give us understanding of what they mean. In Christ's name, amen. Okay, Jesus here guaranteeing you will receive, not a maybe, some of the most famous verses on prayer that we have. And also, I just want to say to this, they've caused people fits. These verses of Scripture, as famous as they are, have caused, they've caused me fits throughout my life. I read these verses to my daughter, 15-year-old daughter, this past week. We just read these verses, and the moment I read 7, 8, she, she popped her head up a little bit. She said, that's not true. I said, what do you mean it's not true? It says it right there. Jesus said it. What are you saying? Jesus is not speaking the truth? What are you trying to say? That's not true. She said, people in the Bible? Even people in the Bible asked for things, and they didn't get it. What's going on, Dad? And I know people that if I've prayed for stuff and hadn't come to, what's going, hey, what's going on? They have caused people fits. Uh, when I was a kid growing up, we always vacationed in the same place in Florida, New Smyrna Beach, Florida. We always went to the same place. And there was a campground not too far from New Smyrna Beach, Florida. Had a big, huge billboard. We started going down there when I was about five years old. So every year, a couple times a year, actually, we would go down there because my dad owned a business down there. And so we'd go down and I'd see this big, huge billboard for this campground and it said 50 foot pool man i rode by the thing i was like oh my gosh that is i want to go there sometime they have a pool that's 50 feet deep i mean that's as a five-year-old as a six and seven and eight-year-old a 50 foot pool that is awesome and finally one day it dawned on me i was about 12 or 13 we're riding by it i'm seeing it for the thousandth time and it said 50 foot pool and I, that is so cool and then hit me they mean 50 feet long. They don't mean 50 feet deep. But I wanted it to mean 50 feet deep because who cares about a pool that's 50 feet long? I mean, 5,000 feet long would be interesting, but 50 feet long, who cares? But 50 feet deep, that gets my attention. I wanted it to say 50 feet deep. And I, there are certain things I want these verses to say. I want it to say I can ask for the house, and I want, I want it to say I can ask for the spouse, and I want it to say I can ask for the wealth, and I want it to say I can ask for the health. But is that what it means? Does it mean that we can ask those things and we get it? I have uh, talked to a number of people over the years, and uh, for the most part, all of them have grown up in church, and they'll say things to me like, you know, uh, I'm not really sure I believe in God anymore. And then I talk to them, and it's obvious they do believe in God, but they're very conflicted, and I say to them, well, why, what's, what's going on? Why don't you believe in God anymore? Well, you know, I've asked for things in prayer, and it hasn't happened. And so is anybody there? Because the Bible says I ask and I receive, and so what's the deal? So if, you know, what's, you've got to straighten that out for me. 
These verses have caused people fits. Now, here's a couple popular responses to these verses about asking and receiving. Okay? The first thing is people say, well, you didn't have enough faith. You had enough faith. Maybe you've heard that before. You have enough faith. You asked for something, you have enough faith, you, you actually didn't get it. Okay? I was in a room, I think the last time this happened was about 12 years ago or so. I was in a room, somebody was uh, with, it was a bunch of prayer going on, and this person had suffered their entire life with a physical problem. And the person praying for them said, you got to just believe, you got to believe. And the person said to them, and it was so, it like broke my heart, this, I do, I, all my life, I've been believing. And that person was just, no, you're not believing enough. Second most popular response is, not God's will. All right, you got one person, and they're praying for a spouse, and person number two is praying for a spouse, and person number one gets a spouse, and person number two doesn't get the spouse. So person number one, I got my prayer answered. I'm happy, I think. Give it a little time. You might not be happy, but anyway. <laughs> but any, any, anyway, they got to And person number two over here says, I just got a broken heart. So God, you put the desire in me to be married, and I'm not married, and you said ask and receive, and I didn't receive, so you must what about me? The thing is interesting about Matthew chapter 7, it doesn't say anything about God's will. It doesn't say anything about faith. It just says ask. Ask and you will receive. So here I got to fill in the blank for you if you'd like to put it down. This is actually extremely important. Context is king. I want you to remember this in biblical interpretation. You interpret anything, right? But context, context. You got to have context. What is the context to these verses? Like they, these verses, everybody, think about it. They're just not like randomly there. It's not like, it's not like God is up in heaven sitting on his throne and he's talking to all the angels. He's like, hey, you know, Gabriel, Michael, I've got these really great verses about prayer. Do you have any idea? Where could I slip them in? I mean, they're great. I just, but where do you think is a good place for me just to fit them in? No, 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 no. They're not random. They go in a particular place. So let me give you a quick disclaimer to you, okay? So if like, you're new or relatively new to the Bible or relatively new to the church, you're going to like say, oh, okay, okay, well, thank you very much for that message today. If you've been around the church a long time, what I'm about ready to say, some of you might say, hey, wait a minute, buddy. Because many of us have heard these verses a certain way, and I'm just suggesting that maybe, maybe, maybe there's a different way to look at these verses, Okay. So for some of you, it's, it's going to rattle your cage. Um, that's okay, and you don't have to see it the way I'm getting ready to present it to you. But for me, Matthew chapter 7 is a spiritual and intellectual Mount Everest. We're in the deep weeds, hard to understand. And when I began to see it this way in its context... Matthew 7 began to flow for me. And some very difficult verses that caused people fits all of a sudden and caused me fits began to fall into place. Okay, so there we go. So here, let's tackle it. What immediately precedes those incredible verses about asking, seeking, and knocking? Well, you got somebody who has this gigantic blind spot, right? We said this last week, remember? We said, okay, Jesus says, don't judge other people. Why pick out this tiny speck? You can see a speck a mile away in somebody else's eye, but you have this huge board, right? This is where Jesus gets a little bit funny. This is the dramatic part 
of the Sermon on the Mount. We're imagining that he actually, you know, walked through this process. And he's like, you got this big board in your eye. So we're going to just play this out if you can, if you'll uh, work with me. So I've got a wonderful couple who's going to come up here and is going to help. Uh, Christine and Dan, husband and wife team. And uh, what we're, what we're going to talk about here is you're going to see this. And maybe you heard me talk about it last week with the, with the board, you know, and your eye and picking out the speck. And you, maybe, maybe the thought ran across, ran across your mind right now. Or maybe it did last week. You said, yeah, I, I know somebody like that. That's you then. That's the point. It's all of us. The, the point is, if you're thinking, so the, if you're thinking right now, I know somebody like that, well, then you have it worse than what you could have ever imagined. But for those of us who say, yeah, yeah I understand that's me, well, then, okay, then there's some hope. You follow me? Are you tracking with me? So Jesus is pointing straight at me. He's saying, John, you have a board in your eye. You have a blind spot. You have no clue what's going on. So how about a round of applause for um, Christine and Dan? Okay, let's come right over here. You're my friend. Dan's my friend. You stand on the side because everybody wants to see you over here. Okay, that's good. And put the stethoscope on. This is a doctor. Everybody say, do- you have to put it actually in your ear. You can just, you know. Oh. Yeah, there you go. That's good. I want you to hear. Okay, you got that on? Yes. Tap, tap. Wonderful. All right, ready? Okay. Uh, doctor, doctor, I'm, can you, please, I need your help. Can, can you help? I can see yeah, that. My help. Yes. Okay, my friend over here has an emergency. Can you rescue him? Can you please yes. help him save him? He's you know, got a speck in his eye. One of the can first you, things that we need to do is help everybody calm down because whenever we're all up in arms, we can't help anyone. So how about we find a chair for everybody and start relaxing? Well, you're really ad-libbing here. I didn't anticipate this. Okay, this is, this is good. This is good. You told me to go with it. <laughs> is there anything that you can do for him? I'm taking a look at him, but I'm thinking that maybe we need to help you have a seat and relax for a little bit so that we can Why do I need to take a seat and relax? Because you are very upset, and I'm worried that that might be distracting as I'm trying to help your friend. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Now, okay, listen. Does that seem goofy? And the reality is, right, is Jesus is saying that's actually every single one of us. Can we receive that? So how does that, how does that make you feel coming in and you're seeing me with, and he's got, can you see anything in his eye? I don't see a problem with him, but I see it with you. You see it with me. So Do I, I see a problem with me? No. Okay. So helping you to see it. You're going to help me see it? I don't know. Do you help him see it, your husband? Okay. Every day. Every day. Every day. Every day. <laughs> the job of a wife. How about a round of applause for you take it back. Which makes you turn it off and you take it back over there. Okay, thank you. Okay, here okay, here's the thing. Here's the um, here's the sad truth, everybody. Um, if you're really tracking with Jesus, this is super important here. If you're really tracking with Jesus on this, if you really believe what Jesus is saying you should start feeling a moment of kind of hopelessness right now. You should feel like the emperor who has no clothes. Right? Because what Jesus is saying is every single one of us is in that boat. We all have this big thing hanging out our, out our eye. And we will, never, we will never understand the power of the entire Sermon on the Mount unless we're like, oh my gosh, yes, that is me. He just told me it's me. It's not somebody else. And we're so quick to say, yeah, I know somebody just like that. I, do you, is there anybody in your mind right now and you're like, man, I wish they were at this sermon today? You know what I'm saying? 
Okay. So this is what Jesus, so now, this is why this is so important. So in the midst of that, oh my gosh, that is me, is what Jesus is trying to evoke in us. Then he comes through with these next verses in that oh no moment. Okay. So verse number seven, then he says, ask, seek, and knock, and I promise I will come through for you. So what Jesus is not doing, what he's not doing, he's not having random verses and saying all of a sudden, oh, okay, out of nowhere, ask for the Porsche. I would really like a Porsche. Ask for the Porsche. Ask for whatever it might be that is on your wish list or even on your need list, and it'll come through. No, in the context of being blinded, of having major logs in our eyes, this blind spot that causes what? Hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. It causes a breakdown in our relationship with God and our relationship with other people. Jesus is saying this. I guarantee you, if you keep asking and you keep seeking me and you keep knocking on the door, I will show you the logs in your eye. Now think about it. Think if this makes sense. You come over to our prayer wall after church. We have wonderful answers to prayer over here, actually. We've had people's marriages restored. We've had finances. We had health problems, all kinds of wonderful things over here. Now, let me tell you this. You come over there today, and I could pray with you. I could pray with you to get a house, and I could believe. But the reality is, is maybe that's my reality. Maybe. Hope. You come over there with a physical problem today. I hope so. Maybe, I really hope so. My heart goes out to you. Here's the deal. I could walk over that wall today. Are you ready? I could walk over that wall today and I could say, knock on the door. God, I'm begging you, show me my blind spots. There is not a twinge of doubt in my mind that that door is not opening for me. Are you tracking with me? It's not like, I wonder if he'll come through on that prayer. Maybe he will. No, there's no maybe. He's coming through. Something inside of me says, God is going to shine a light on me and he's going to help me to see what my blind spots are that we all know hypocrisy and blind spots. Logs in our lives mess up our relationship with God and our relationship with other people. It's just not exciting. Porsches, Ferraris, spouses, and houses, very exciting. It's a 50-foot deep pool. God shining his light on me and showing me my imperfections. Sorry, sister, brother. Not cool. Why would I get excited about that? And yet, if you read it that way, right on the heels in that context, you understand, oh my goodness, God is promising to show me what my blind spots are. So, why did I show you the video there in the beginning? Why did I show you the video? Because you're thinking, hey, John, (laughs) thank you very much for the message. But, you know, if I pray that, I'm going to feel like the guy on that bike who's getting ready to get taken out by an antelope, okay? Like, if I go there or I sit in my seat here today during communion, it's going to be, bam, I'm just going to get crushed. So now it starts to really make sense what Jesus says next. What does he say next in Matthew 9 and 10? It's really important. He says this, which of you, on the heels of that, which of you, if your son Ask for bread, we'll give him a stone. If he asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake. So what is, what is Jesus trying to do? I have, some, I have some bread for you here. I got a nice big rock. I'm going to come down. I'm going to come down to you. Okay? He's saying, 
you're afraid to say, God, show me my blind spots because you're thinking, if I do that, I'm going to break a tooth, okay? And Jesus, right? That's what all of us should be feeling right now when Jesus says that. And Jesus, actually, it's good bread. It's good life. It's a good gift, right? So can you verify that that's a... You ha- take one. Take, you can... Are you gluten-free or something? Okay. Just, okay, just a piece of bread. Anybody else? Betsy, piece of bread. Okay, all right. So have a bite. Anybody want to have a bite? You can have a bite. Please, please do. Is it, is it good bread? I bought it this morning from Harris Teeter. Okay. Bobby, can you verify that that's a stone? Okay. Bobby, if I asked you to bite into it, would you do that? No, you would not do that. You'd break a tooth, right? Okay, so here's the thing. Here's the thing, everybody. Jesus is saying... Who's excited about praying, God, show me my... Now, look, we all know this. Don't you know this? Let's, think, let's stop thinking about you for a second. Let's think about your friend, your <laughs> hypothetical friend. Don't you have a better relationship with them when they understand what their blind spots are? Don't you? Jesus tells this famous story in Luke chapter 18. It's, it's an awesome story. Let me see if I... I have a bad back. Okay, I made it. He tells this awesome story uh, about this tax collector and, um, and, and this Pharisee. And in it, he says they both go to the temple. And the Pharisee goes up there and he's like, God, thank you that, you know, I'm doing all these moral things right. And, you know, I'm better than this person over here. All right. And then you got the tax collector guy who just says, God, I'm a sinner. Have mercy. And then Jesus makes this famous statement. Right? He says, the tax collector guy who just kind of like really saw who he really was, God says that person goes home, very specific word, justified. Let me give you just an easy way to remember justified, just as if you had never sinned. What does sin do with our relationship with God? It separates us from God. You can't have the good life when you're separated from God. So what's the point? We have to see ourselves for who we really are. Now, here's the deal. What Jesus just told us is that I can't see myself for who I really am, right? I have the log in my eye. You know what? You can't see me for who I really am. Who's the only person that can see the true you? Who would that be? God. Jesus. Always the answer in church, Jesus. Right? (laughs) If he brings that to light and we see ourselves for who we really are, then the blind spots can begin to be dealt with and we can get on to the good life. This is what he's saying. He says, you're thinking it's going to be that thing. You're thinking you're going to be the person being taken out by the antelope. In actuality, the good life is right there, but who's excited about taking it? Now, does that have any impact on the rest of the chapter? Does it begin to start to make sense? I just want to show you a couple things here uh, in conclusion because Jesus here, he's saying, trust me with this. And then he goes into this whole deal about there's, There's two gates. I'm going to read these verses to you. They're pretty famous. Two gates, two trees, right? And two houses, okay? Who is listening to the Sermon on the Mount? I have always read these verses. I'm just going to read them to you. Verses 13 and 14, famous verses. Ready? Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate. Broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate. Narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Man, look, I've always read those verses the same way. The people on the broad road headed to destruction are the people without Jesus. Right? They need Jesus in their life. They need to clean their act up. And the people going through the narrow way, right? they're the Jesus followers. But there's a problem with that. Context, again, is king. 
He's only talking to his followers. His message is to his followers. And so he says, my followers have two different paths to take. Right? My followers have two different paths. This isn't a a non-believer and a believer. He's saying believers go two different routes. One is a broad way. And one is a narrow way. And what's the difference between the two? All right, I'm going to see if I can't figure that out for you in just a second. I'm going to ask if the communion team will come and the music team will come on up. And uh, I'm just going to say a few words. We're going to close it out and talk about these two trees and two gates and two houses and the broad and the narrow way. All right? Here, as they're walking up, here's two fill-in-the-blanks for you. The super highway that leads to destruction is called Change You. The super highway that leads to destruction is called Change You. The narrow country road that leads to life is called Change Me. The narrow country road that leads to life is called Change Me. Let me explain communion, and then let's see if we can't put a crescendo on Jesus' most famous sermon ever. So you see, we have two wonderful people coming right here, husband and wife crew, to serve communion. We have five different locations that you can go to have communion this morning. We have uh, the juice and we have the bread and you'll just walk up and you'll take a, a cup of juice and bread and you can either take and consume it right here and there's trash cans right there. You can go back to your seat and we're going to have some music for you and you can just allow God to speak to you. Communion here is open to absolutely everybody. Uh, you can take it or you can not take it. It's whatever you're comfortable with doing. It's whatever you're So don't feel any kind of discomfort at this moment. You do what you feel God wants you to do in this moment. It is a very deeply reflective time, though. It's a time where we begin to really think, where do I stand with God? Who am I really as I stand before the Lord? Now, let's make a conclusion to this sermon and the two gates and the two trees and the two houses, okay? Jesus is saying, everybody, my followers have two different paths they can, they can choose. What we are naturally drawn to as people, particularly the longer we've been in church, the more we've been around the Bible, is we start thinking a lot less about our own imperfections and we start picking out the imperfections of others and how other people need to change. The good life becomes change other people or change my circumstances change other people or change my circumstances and what Jesus Christ is saying is if you choose the path change me show me Jesus what my blind spots are right? we all can agree to this if we have a friend who has major blind spots we have a problem in our relationship with them well that's you you are that friend I am that friend And when God begins to show me those, my relationship with God improves like the tax collector. My relationship with other people improves and life is all about relationships and it just gets better. Now here's the thing. Jesus says, there's very few people on that road. Right? Makes sense, doesn't it? Who wants to leap out of your chair this morning and run to that wall and say, oh yes, prayer team, please pray for God to show me all my logs in my... It's just not exciting. And Jesus says, 
that's the road that leads to life and there's very few people on it but it's a super highway loaded with people out there who are just saying oh God change this person change that person change them I start to do this it's always about somebody else but the road to life has always changed me the psalmist says in Psalm 139 search me oh God he didn't say search them oh God search them he said search me search me what if the good life was so close to you you could almost touch it who's excited about asking and seeking and knocking this morning say God please show me what those are in me he guarantees he's going to answer that prayer you want a guarantee here it is and I bet you know in your heart right now yep it's true I want to end by telling you just a, a brief story. So in the parallel verse to this in Luke 11, where Jesus is talking about the same thing in, in Luke, when he talks about the good gift, he talks about the Holy Spirit. And it's interesting that the Holy Spirit, Jesus calls the Holy Spirit the Spirit of truth. Spirit of truth. What does the Spirit of truth do? Tells us the truth. Tells us the truth about who we really are. There's a famous revival that happened in Wales beginning of last century. It's credible all kinds of answers to prayer took place amazing answers to prayer actually the whole community was changed there are newspaper reports from that day that said that the police officers said we don't have anything else to do like crime has stopped this is famous interview with like a local sheriff and he's like well sheriff you don't have crime what do you do well some of our policemen are really good singers and they're going to churches now and they're singing because the community has been changed so much it's phenomenal do you know where it began it began with this guy by the name of Evan Roberts who did two things praying for the Holy Spirit to be poured out and right before everything the like revival just like really kicked off and the whole community was changed you know what he prayed he said God bend me change me and then all the goodness began to flow is that you are you like that close is the only thing holding you back is your fear that you're gonna bite into a stone and it's gonna break your tooth how many of us this morning will say God change me change me so that I can experience all the good things that you have for me we're going to begin a series in three weeks from today all about the Holy Spirit called Free Upgrade and about the work that the Holy Spirit wants to do in our lives. And there's where our hope is. Some of us this morning, we're sitting on a mountain of hope. The only thing necessary to do is say, God, show me, change me. Let's pray for a communion. And then we want you to come, take communion as you'd like. And as you do, if you want to stop by the prayer wall, our team is going to be over there. I'm going to be over there. Be happy to pray with you if you'd like, okay? Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. God, it's exciting to think about. I can pray about things and, and get answers. But it's, it's a little more troubling to think about, oh, I want you to shine your bright light on me so I can see the blind spots in my life. But even though it's not exciting, God, you promise, you say, trust me, John, trust me. You're so close. Help us this morning in this room right now to trust you enough that we would pray, God, change me. 
that we would get on that narrow road of change me that leads to life. As we take communion this morning, what a deep time. Your word says in communion, we should search our hearts. Help us, Lord, to search our hearts and to not miss this moment of the amazing thing that you want to do in our lives right here, right now, this morning. That your good gifts might be poured out upon us to a degree that we did not anticipate. Lord, I ask that you would bless the eating of this bread and the drinking of this cup for your honor and your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Grace Community Church, a church for people who don't go to church, meets on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. in Arlington, Virginia. Connect with us anytime at trygrace.org.